If you don't understand what's going on, you're liable to get crazy at this point. filter and I'm waiting for it to pop up on the Twitch stream. <laughs> yeah, it's a yellow screen right now. I'm oh, interested to see what happens. It. That's anime as heck yellow. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. But also funny. Oh there. It was up for a second. It was there it for was? a second. Shoot. You were animated. Yeah, for but a then second. it went away. I don't know. Uh L- Low Joey was saying some yeah. inappropriate things. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. What do you do? <laughs> you missed it. You missed all of it. He's a mod. He's the one in charge of kicking out inappropriate people. <laughs> They've infiltrated the system. He's clever. He says he's allowed to say offensive things because he's a gamer. Okay, okay. <laughs> we are on Twitch. I guess that's what Gamergate was about. Okay, how you guys feel? Do you guys feel ready? I think so. Whoa. Oh, now he's... he's pink with some i'm just yeah i spots. feel like these aren't activating in some way but you know what <sighs> next time you guys have to see my face censored <laughs> okay all right here i'm gonna there we go now we'll pretend that john doesn't already know what's going on now it's now it looks like it's just us here by yeah, ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. now you'll be our secret guest so when we post the video we'll we can cut it before here. I, I hope it's not uh, a yellow. Oh. Is it still a yellow it screen? It is a yellow screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to join back in. I, I feel I can't change the setting anymore now that I'm here, it seems. So. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> I'm disjointed. Oh, I'm going to get my YouTube. Uh... YouTube screen. <laughs> John, you know very well you've oh, been asked many times. Oh, why wasn't I to asked be to be on podcast? <laughs> I'm John. You're right. We'll never ask you, John. We ask never John every ask week and he always says, no. <laughs> okay. All right. We're all here. Uh, do we hear uh, you again? I want to test your audio yeah. again, Kent. Oh, test, test, test. Okay. Yeah. It's, cool. It sounds better. Okay. Yeah, I was too overly ambitious with the snap filter thing. I got excited <laughs> because we're on Twitch now. A lot's happening. Fun to play with. All right. Okay. I'm. Good. You're gonna disappear on Twitch for a second. Okay. Oh. Oh God. That's not what I wanted. There <laughs> we go. Okay. All right. I'm going into it. I'm going in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very 46th episode of Rethink Everything. I'm Tyler Giannisini, and I'm here today with Jake Gable. Hello. And we're here to rethink some of the things that happened during the 50th week of 2021, the week we were not in Kansas anymore. And this week, we are here with very special guest, former host of the podcast, Kent Yoshimura. Welcome back. Oh, your old stomping grounds. <laughs> oh my God, is that Kent Yoshimura's music? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by God, King! By God, King! That's Kent Yoshimura's music. Hit Jake over the head with the chair. How did you? Where did you come from? I took it by spot. <laughs> What's up, guys? How have you been? How how has uh, reemerging from the cocoon of COVID been? 
Oh my, because <laughs> it's not like I talk to you every single day, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, well, people are millions of fans. They got to get, yeah. they gotta get oh, for, for all of them. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, it seems as though we're all going back into our cocoons because of this <laughs> Omicron situation. But uh, whatever. I'm always um, a butterfly. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with it. Just ready to hatch the hatch them wings back out. Um, well, okay. So today... Uh, or we're giving it the week we weren't in Kansas anymore because of last week's string of devastating tornadoes that tore up the Midwest. Other things that happened in this past week were <laughs> Derek Chauvin pleading guilty to violated violating George Floyd's civil rights. That's the right thing to do. Uh, yeah. Elon Musk was person of the year. Fairly, I assume, controversial decision because everybody I, hates I him. I imagine so. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's our placing ourselves in the big events of the 50th week of 2021. We're coming up hot on Christmas. Did you did you guys see or hear this this news of the tornado outbreak? Uh, yeah, it was yes, yes. crazy. I don't even know how you control that, right? Well, you can't. It's Mother Nature just pissed off at us. But all these people know they live on a tornado belt. And they still choose to live there? Isn't this like a consistent thing every year to a degree? Like it's worse now, but isn't it consistent every year? Yeah, that's that's what I've always not gotten is like, why, why, why do people still live here? What is the deal? There's got to be something appealing about the, the area, right? A lot of farms. It's real estate cheap. I think that's going to be it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Real estate. Yeah, cost of living also just, yeah, where you grew up and... And yeah, uh, probably a lot of agriculture. Jake, uh, Jake actually lived when he was young in a place that had tornado alerts. Uh, mm-hmm. He can regale us. Really? With the, the <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ha- I assume neither of you have have lived through a a tornado warning or Mm-mm. or been in a place where where yeah. Uh, um, the risk of tornado is currently happening, but yeah, I lived in in Alabama for for a bit of my childhood. My my dad was in the Air Force, and he he was stationed in in Montgomery, Alabama, a couple of times. And um, and Alabama gets tornadoes, and it's terrifying. It's it's one of the scariest, like the tornado warnings. Fortunately, a tornado tornadoes touched down close to us a, a couple of times, but but never never you know. Never, never saw one up up close, fortunately. But the warnings are are terrifying. Just like the TV goes out and does that like that high pitched, constant like sound, and then there's this loud siren outside. Just that like blaring, like <laughs> like like freaking oh bombs my. are gonna go off, like a war raid, and you all have to like get into you know like a bathtub or or you know whatever. Wait, why a bathtub? Bathtub is is just, I guess, one of the safest places you could be in a tornado. Like, I don't know why, but it's a place you can all like cuddle <laughs> down and hunker down in. Uh, that's just always what we what we did. Earthquakes, we'd stand in door frames. I think the thing they say now is just to like get under a table. But I, I feel like none of those things will help in an actual tornado situation. Some but. T- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I, didn't, maybe, I don't know. Maybe inside a refrigerator, inside the 
Yeah. I've seen the movies. Tub does. Yeah, we've seen the movies. I think maybe a, a tub, a, a, a bathtub is less likely, like, like unless it's, uh, depending on what kind of bathtub you have, but most of them are like pretty sturdily attached to the house. And so it's mm. like less of a risk to be lifted. I see. Um, would be my guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually trying to go to Zillow.com right now and check out Wichita, Kansas, because apparently that's one of the top spots where tornadoes touch down. It's got to be cheap. It's got to be cheap to live there. I, mean, I would assume so, because there's no houses probably there. <laughs> they got hit by tornadoes. <laughs> I also just realized Arkansas has the word Kansas in it. I don't know why I never thought about that. Arkansas. Oh my gosh. Guys, $185,000 for a four bedroom, three bath, 2,376 square feet. That's crazy. I, I was wrong. I'm okay with tornadoes. Guys, let's move. <laughs> all I'm buying everyone houses. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so I'll go there. Uh, all right. Well, we can uh, pitch in on the house. Get a house yeah, together. Yeah, easy. The rethink Stupid everything house. Shape. <laughs> get really good insurance. We might be able to profit off this thing. That's, we can't say it out loud though. This is being televised, <laughs> you right? Uh, you <laughs> cut this part out. Oh no. Well, here's here's some actual facts about the tornado outbreak that happened recently. So the tornado outbreak of December 10th through 11th will go down in history uh, for portions of the United States. During this period, more than 100 tornado warnings were issued across the Mid-South and Midwest. It is still too early to know the total number of tornadoes that occurred. Maybe not now, but so far over 20 tornadoes were confirmed. 88 people, at least 88 people were confirmed killed by the tornadoes, surpassing the Vicksburg, Mississippi tornado of December 5th, 1953, which caused 38 fatalities as the deadliest December tornado event ever. You have to get specific because when you've got hmm. all these devastating tornadoes, you have to get specific. So this is the deadliest wow. December tornado. Unconfirmed estimates suggest the tornado may have caused 100 deaths across five states, which would make it the deadliest tornado event in the United States since May of 2011, so 10 years ago. But if every oh 10 years God. ago we're having this deadly of tornadoes, yeah, we got to move out of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say, Kentucky, oh, it's in Kentucky. I kept saying Kansas, but. Maybe it was in both. Well, that's because uh, it went through four states. Um, I'll have to look, look this up that's... again. Yeah, it's being, it's being sort of starting to be called the quad state. Uh, tornado, and that's because there was a very famous tri-state tornado. Mm. One they, they're really which, ramping up. Which yeah. we will um, actually I, talk talk about. In, I just in saw a one thing on the news. Speaking of bathtubs, theguardian.com. Kentucky tornadoes: babies in bathtubs survive after twister blows them outside. So Jake, you are not wrong. Hey, bathtubs. Bathtub. Get in the bathtub. I don't, that's what we did bathtub. when I was a kid. I don't know if that's still the recommended advice. I could only say that's that's what I remember doing. You actually got into a tub at one point to survive the thing. That's pretty kind of. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I really it's like living scary. on the West Coast where it's like it's really scary. Maybe there'll be an earthquake. There's gonna be no hurricanes. Oh man! Until you read about until you read about the the big one that's supposed to be coming any day. As far as the earthquakes go, when you read about 
what what scientists predict are going to happen when that happens. I am terrified. <laughs> I was like, I was reading about it this past year, and I was talking to my parents, like, you got to get out of there. You got to go somewhere more inland. Oh, man, Uh-oh. it was freaking me out. Are we going to be sheared off into the sea? But yeah, basically. Basically, a giant tidal wave is going to wipe everything I-5 west. Well, until then... We'll we'll have no poisonous spiders, no poisonous snakes, no 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 other noticeable danger, uh, 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 dangers. Yep. That, you know, but they say but they've been saying that big one that big one is overdue since like the nineties. Yeah, they've been. Uh, well, I mean, these are on long timelines, like like kind of yeah. like thousands of year timelines. So they could it, like even though it's overdue, it still could happen. You know, could happen yeah. any time or, you know, many years from now. Um, these sort of geological time scales are, are pretty vast. Makes sense. Can't, have you been the have you been any major earthquakes in Cal- your California? I mean, that's kind of California's claim to fame. Are they mostly like the little kind of like, yeah, it kind of you might feel it, but it doesn't really do too much damage. There was one in like 1990 something, like early 90s that I remember... I definitely felt, but there was no damage where we were living. Um, mm. It was like in Flint Ridge or something. And then I also, <laughs> the funniest thing with like California earthquakes, it's not funny at all. But like every time an earthquake happens, you go on like Reddit R Los Angeles and you see like the entire front page of R Los Angeles be like, earthquake, did anyone feel that earthquake? Did, did anyone feel, feel that, that earthquake? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's like a confirmation uh, that an earthquake did happen. Yeah. When I was in Japan though, about a month ago, there was like, an eight second earthquake that I felt. And it's long it enough like for you to be like, out. oh, is this going to stop at some point? <laughs> it, it was definitely like that. I was like, wow, yeah. like this is really going on for a long time. And my, my uncle and my aunt didn't think anything of it. He's like, they're like, yeah, that happens like 10 times a year. So Japan's like <laughs> legit, crazy. The more legit earthquake country, I think, than, than California, right? Like California gets them the little ones all the time, but I presume that Japan has more just given whatever the fault line in the, there seems much more close to the surface or whatever. Does Japan have a lot of volcanoes? That's my understanding is there's a lot of volcanoes. Yeah. So in Okinawa recently, like a month and a half ago, there was a volcanic eruption that sent ash everywhere along the, I, I guess like the Western coast of Japan. And it completely decimated the fish population. So all the fish markets have a, a fish shortage right now. Hmm. Yeah, that so, makes sense. You'd get a lot of, wow. uh, you'd wind up getting a lot wow. of like uh, mud in the water. Like, I would assume the water would get dirty and just things, you know, things under the surface would be affected pretty significantly. Yeah. I mean, another thing to check off the, <laughs> the, the 2021, you know, checklist. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty did crazy. Anyone, did anyone have devastating earthquakes and tornadoes? For their 2021 yeah, bingo. The bingo list. <laughs> I had new variant in December. <laughs> that was predictable. That was like, uh, you know, always going to be a new variant. one in three chance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every couple of months. Right. All right. Well, I suppose we should dive into some fun facts. <laughs> fun facts about tornadoes. Hey. What's your fun? <laughs> Tornado time. 
Yeah, so uh, this week I sort of dive, dove into a little bit of the science behind tornadoes and, and some of the history behind it as well. And so, yeah, we're going to start with just some basics about, about tornadoes. I, I learned a lot of pretty interesting things, and then maybe I'll hit you with some, some quicker facts. But to start, uh, so tornadoes, we all sort of get the basics of, of usually no conjure an image of big, swirling, scary, like cloud that's just whipping, whipping around winds, winds blowing. But they're, yeah, so they're basically rotating columns of air that form between a cloud and the ground. And most tornadoes are, uh, are small and and last less than 10 minutes but you can get these large ones that last around like 30 minutes for your sort of your big ones and then i i think they can last longer but but i i wasn't sure i didn't find um specifics on like what the longest lasting tornadoes are they can reach speeds and wind speed yeah they can reach wind speeds of up to 300 miles per hour which is enough which creates enough force to rip buildings off their foundation. And the most intense tornadoes come from um, these thunderstorms, these supercell thunderstorms, as they're called. And it requires the right ingredients. So a thunderstorm forms when you have warm, moist air that's near the surface of the earth rising into cold, dry air that's above. You need that to get a thunderstorm. And then to get a tornado, you have a couple of extra ingredients, which is that warm air is rising up into cold, dry air. But then winds are going in different directions at different heights. So the wind might be blowing one direction low to the ground and higher up it's blowing in a different direction so eventually you get that hot and cold air mixing going in different directions and then it just starts twirling and and sort of becomes a tornado and and you get that tunneling and and the tornado forming between the cloud and the ground this footage is crazy <laughs> by the way yeah. like they're so terrible like they're so awe-inspiring in in the literal sense like like they're they look incredible, but they're terrifying. They're yeah. so scary. And tornadoes have been observed. So this was something that I found interesting. I started thinking about is that tornadoes have been observed on every continent except Antarctica. So they do happen around the world. But I realized that we hear about tornadoes all the time in the U.S., but I almost never hear about tornadoes anywhere else. And I wasn't sure if that was just because being from the U.S., you hear about your local storms or if other countries have lots of tornadoes like we do. Turns out, no, the U.S. is number one in yet another thing. So, um, you know, <laughs> we're great yet again at, at something else. You know, most most gun violence and most tornadoes, we're doing great. USA! <laughs> USA! <laughs> yeah. So the U.S. averages about 1,200 tornadoes or, or twisters Twisters and tornadoes, different words for the same thing. Tornadoes a year. And while the U.S. is a pretty big country compared to, to most other countries, it's not necessarily to do with landmass. Canada is the next is the country with the next most highest average annual tornadoes, but they're a far second with a, a, an average of 100 tornadoes annually. So there's and Canada is a little bit bigger landmass wise as to the U.S. So it's not just size. What? Obviously, there are more northern latitude, but that's not it. It's not just like latitude either. The U.S. has the special ingredient that just other places don't have that makes makes it so tornado prone, which is that you get warm air coming up from the Gulf of Mexico 
and it comes in low. And then you have cold, dry air coming in high from the Rockies. And so you get the warm air coming in, mixing with the cold air, and you've got the wind coming from different directions. Low, sort of low, warm winds from the south, and then harsher, faster, um, cold, dry air coming in from the west. And then that just mixes right in the middle of the country where where it's called Tornado Alley. Just get... (laughs) Uh, th- literally over a thousand tornadoes a year as a result of those special conditions. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Yeah. It's, there's a it's lot of things. Expansive. Yeah. 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 It's also like literally a third of the United States. Yeah, you just have to live there. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to live there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Someone's got to live. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars for a four bedroom, <laughs> you know, like let's be real. <laughs> No wonder yeah. they're all so mad at us being on the coast and not having to deal with all their crap. <laughs> <laughs> the tornadoes. Those you don't even know. They live in places <laughs> that where they don't get devastated every couple of years. So tornado forecasting has has an interesting interesting history. So I was reading about this from the, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. According to the NOAA, The first sort of like written recorded report of tornadoes in the U.S., Um, obviously, now this is by sort of, you know, Western settlers coming in and indigenous populations have been dealing with tornadoes long before Europeans came um, and have names and tales associated with with tornadoes. But but I guess the first written record that they have, at least is sort of in in that Western perception, um, comes from 1643 in Massachusetts. An author, uh, David Ludlam, recorded, um, you know, sort of this weather event that they think was a tornado. And then that got sort of historically recorded by the Massachusetts governor at the time, John Winthrop, who was a weather enthusiast, I guess. And so... Then over the next couple hundred years, you have lots and lots of reports of tornadoes, but knowing no one really doing anything with that information until the 1880s, a U.S. sergeant in the army, um, John P. Finley, was put in charge of developing, trying to develop tornado forecasting, figuring out what, you know, what are the ingredients to a tornado? How can we tell when one's going to happen? So he was given this job in 1882. And two years later, in 1884, there happened to be this string of tornadoes, this outbreak of tornadoes. And during that time, he was able to establish 15 sort of like rules or indicators of tornadoes and sort of created the first basis of of tornado forecasting. So he did a lot with with the position, actually came up with this, like these things happen and, and you get a tornado. But all that work was basically made pointless because the army banned the word tornado from any broadcast because they were afraid <laughs> that they would incite mass panic. So no one could talk about tornadoes. You can't say tornado. <laughs> I feel like what would cause more mass panic is an actual tornado <laughs> barreling towards you, <laughs> you and destroying everything in its path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what ended up happening is that was in place for decades. No one was talking about tornadoes. And in 1925, the biggest and longest tracking recorded tornado occurred, known as the Tri-State Tornado, which hit Missouri, um, was tracked 219 miles across Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana. And 695 people were recorded as dying from this weather event with another 2,000 injured. And so they sort of, after this storm, they realized, people went back and saw that most of the 15 indicators that Finley had outlined, they were able to see had been 
you, you know, they saw those indicators again with this very historic tornado. And so they're like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe we need to return to this work. Maybe we should say the word. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, just absolutely devastating tornado. But little little more was was done with this information for another couple of decades because still no everyone was afraid to use the word tornado in broadcasts but in the 1940s then it was implemented implemented like this effort to document tornadoes talk about tornadoes um as well as other um you know extreme weather events but this happened again after 1942 when there was another particularly high number of tornadoes that year and resulted in lots of damage and destruction. So finally, they're like, okay, guys, we really need to get together and and work on this. And then, so now today, we, we have a much better tornado forecasting. Tornadoes can be sort of predicted at least a half an hour out from them forming. And it's it saved it saved a lot of lives uh, since since developing this as now you can warn people. Like I was I was saying, you know, I've I've sat through through tornado warnings and and, um, you know, it gives a chance for people to get to to safe locations, but they can still cause a lot of devastation like we saw with this with this uh, latest sort of massive tornado that that just hit the U.S. And it hasn't been confirmed how long of a path that this tornado was tracked, but it's up, it's potentially up to 250. It has, it's maybe was 250 mile long path that it took, which would make it the longest trekking tornado on record. Um, Mm. if that turns out to be confirmed, I feel like there's a huge component, something where, uh, because they cut down the trees and like the pathway where the winds are able to flow and it's, it's not in America, but it was like another part of the world. The amount of tornadoes that, started developing in that part of the world increased tenfold and so much like the natural structures of how the mountains are like the urban landscape is and where the forest or whatever it is it get like how it's built out naturally are preventative measures for natural disasters like this from happening but of course humans keep messing it all up (laughs) and like increasing the amount of of these natural disasters so mm-hmm. where so. where where i now live is actually kind of in this little it's it's in this little kind of valley-ish between a, a couple of uh hills and the people who have lived here for a long time are you know they're like yeah it used to not be you know the wind wasn't a very big deal because there were so many trees that it just it would break up by the time it got here but now everybody's kind of taking the trees off their property and now the ones that are left like really really sway around and so it gets very windy here but yeah that that tree buffer uh definitely is a a a real thing that when you remove trees Mm -hmm. significantly affect those that are left and some of them can't survive the strength of the wind on their own and then those those few that you left get destroyed it's almost like we know these things and we decide <laughs> to just sit not say the word tornado you know we decide <laughs> to just censor the things spinny we don't want to talk about fun that, spinny that, air. <laughs> that was the interesting thing about reading about that history is just how many times it took for devastating tornadoes to hit before they're like all right maybe we can talk about this yeah oh i don't see anything there's literally a tornado right in front of you <laughs> You said the word. <laughs> Can't say <Yeah>. that. 
We don't talk about it. Jesus. Yeah. Even the word twister. It's like, okay. Like <laughs> two, two decades of, uh, two decades of prayer did not do anything. So they had to switch over to <laughs> switch over like, to calling on, them tornadoes, and trying something else. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to hit you with a couple of quick, interesting, weird tornado facts. One is the, the most tornadoes in a single 24 hour period happened in the US and Canada in 2011 in uh between April 27th and April 28th there was an outbreak of 360 tornadoes during that 24 Damn. hour time span and here, here was one that i found kind of pretty crazy so one they find um you can find uh, like people find their their home photos like 200 miles away from their home after a tornado or like there was a case of a metal sign traveled 50 miles from where it was originally. But Matt Sutter of Fordland, Missouri holds the record record of the longest distance traveled by someone who survived, picked <laughs> up by a tornado and survived. In 2006, he was carried 1,307 feet, which is 398 meters which is 13 feet shy of a quarter mile. Almost made so, it. Dang. He almost traveled a quarter mile and, and survived. Um, do you, feel, being picked do you think up. he feels disappointed about not getting to yeah, the quarter like, mile? Oh, man, 13 feet. you kidding me? A nice round 400 meters. <laughs> invent some sort of like, you know, one of those giant sumo suit, inflatable sumo suits, like some sort of big padded suit. That then you uh, just like you, tie yourself up to like fifteen or sixteen different kites. And yeah, run into yeah. A Have storm. you ever been to a <laughs> Flaming Lips concert? Wayne Cohn gets in the giant <laughs> hamster ball. <laughs> you need that attached to some industrial strength kites and see if see how far you could travel. I, yeah, that should be like a Red Bull sport. Or, <laughs> it's, it's, it's too it's too Tor- stupid to be a Nero riding. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a big inflatable bull that you ride yeah. through the tornado, just like those little things from uh, the, the Twister movie. Mm-hmm. That they put the little coke tied up the coke cans on. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I, exactly. I forget that movie a hundred percent. I just remember it was <laughs> cow, like a cow flying. Yeah. Like, the, the, I'm sure oh, it yeah. looks really convincing CGI cow. If you were to yeah, go back and time, watch it now, at the time. At the time. (laughs) Um, But humans aren't the only uh, animals that get transported due to uh, due to tornadoes or tornado like events. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about water spouts, which are tornadoes or or just vortexes of air um, that connect a cloud to over water instead of over the ground. Um, Now, almost always. Uh, uh, it seems that water spouts are, are sort of weaker than than the tornadoes that that occur on on land um, and that are more often found in, in tropical and subtropical areas. But uh, what's interesting with water spouts is that they can be strong enough to pick up small animals like frogs and fish and then cause a very bizarre and rare weather phenomenon of raining animals. So there have been reports of it raining animals, frogs or fish. Um, you can find, you know, reports of it dating back to over 2000 years ago. And and um, some have been documented as fish traveling 100 miles inland and it suddenly raining fish 100 miles inland 
from when there must have been a very big water spout that picked up <laughs> these these fish. But but the the wildest thing I, I found about this is supposedly they can be strong enough that they pick fish up from the water. Ha- they go all the way up into the clouds from from the water and then the the tornado can stop or the water spout can stop but the fish will still be carried by the winds in the clouds and they'll keep traveling in this cloud for you know up to like a hundred miles you know they can travel these long distances just in the clouds and then all of a sudden (laughs) you know these fish start falling falling from from the heavens i thought that was absolutely wild this, yeah. this commentary on this video is just like uh, so unnecessarily hilarious. <laughs> oh, wait, can you hear it? I, I, I just see it. It's like it got big, then it broke up, <laughs> then it started up again. It's just like, just show the video. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, it's really weird. I'm trying to like, I think like flying fish that are somehow able to like stay up in the air or is it just so dense and windy that they're able to get that's really bizarre or like maybe yeah. this is uh you know this explains how you get these weird situations of like oh there's a weird previously saltwater fish in a freshwater lake like you know how does that happen yeah that's probably one of the one of the ways um i wanted to to look into this but i i didn't have time but yeah they're they're you get animals on islands that are, you know, thousands of miles from the mainland. Um, and so they're traveling on, you know, you happen to get little lizards traveling on driftwood mm-hmm. to to an island or, you know, you don't really know how these things happen, but but you you imagine that it has to be these these just crazy coincidences or or phenomenon of you know, fish being traveled, you know, traveling in in water spouts and, and in the clouds for for a hundred miles and being dumped yeah into into a different pond and yeah i have heard like that's how like when trout and certain fish show up randomly in different bodies of water where there's no river connection Mm -hmm. it's like the eggs and all those things that tend to just travel through like rainstorms like somehow you know or like water freak weather events it's pretty cool it's very cool Uh, that uh did (laughs) have you guys seen the movie magnolia it's like a lot yeah of, yeah a lot where rain frogs at the end hate, hate that movie but i love that i movie. love that movie <laughs> i think it's really really good it's like uh people who who hate like you know art house dramatic film really don't like yeah, yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> like that. tom cruise <laughs> just being like you can fucking do it like the motivational speaker guy that was like, like the first yeah that was like the first movie where i was just like oh wow this guy can really this guy can act like tom cruise is no joke <laughs> yeah. uh, he's he's incredible in that movie well, speaking of movies, <laughs> since we're talking about twisters, I figured we could talk about the most iconic twister. That's the one with Bill Paxton and Bill Paxton <laughs> and Helen Hunt. Oh man, and Helen Hunt! <laughs> what happened to her? She was actually just recently in the movie, or maybe a couple of years ago now. Um, gosh, what's the name? Of it? It's like ICU or something like that. It's uh, you should not w- read anything about the movie. You should just watch it. It's actually it's very interesting. Um, I see you like internal care unit. <laughs> like I see Intensive. you. Oh, I see you. I think it's something like that. <laughs> but but I'll hit you with some uh, or some fun facts about her, uh, the classic film Twister. So after after Bill Paxton died, Spotter Network was a, a 
tornado chasing network choreographed 200 storm chaser to, to storm chasers to spell out bp with their gps tracker blips on the radar display to honor him and this kind of tribute <laughs> had only been done five times before and it was the first that had been done for someone who wasn't a storm chaser so bill paxton honorary storm chaser um, yeah they were so <laughs> thankful that they got a cool depiction in a movie like we have to honor Bill Paxton. He made us look cool. They do make it look pretty cool. <laughs> like I, I, I loved the vibe of this movie where they're just this family of people who kind of like have this this history. I think they did a good. I mean, for <laughs> yeah. for ultimately just as a disaster movie, um, they did mm-hmm. a good job characterizing these people and trying to like tell a good story. But then uh, you know, obviously, it's unreal, <laughs> a little unrealistic in hindsight, but yeah. Another fun fact, the the sound of the tornado was created by slowing down the sounds of a camel's moan. Oh. <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> Very uh, random. <laughs> and uh the 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 film twister uh, because of its very loud and bass heavy surround channel was notorious for destroying surround speakers nationwide. So surround sound wow. systems had to be replaced after after this film came out and abused them. Uh, a jet funny. engine from a Boeing seven hundred seven was used to generate wind in some scenes. So those scenes where you see like Bill Paxton and and Helen Hunt out in the field just getting blown around. You got to picture like a, a an airplane just off to the side blowing <laughs> blowing back at them. They did that Jack S three right? Yes, they did. That's, I remember <laughs> oh, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Jackass Four supposed to have come out recently? Did I miss it? Yeah, it's supposed to be coming. I don't think I don't think we've missed it. <laughs> yeah, we might have missed it. <laughs> yeah, we might have missed I it. Been, uh... Could have come and gone. The, my last Twister movie fact is: according to urban legend, a tornado hit a drive-in theater in Stony Creek, Ontario, while this movie was playing. But wow! In reality, a tornado hit a drive-in theater in. Thorold, Ontario, on May 20th, 1996, damaging a screen. The movie was not actually playing when this tornado hit, but it was scheduled to play that evening. Oh. So. Wow. The urban legend is not as fun as the actual fact, but. And then, They're like committed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, this is a real experience. <laughs> for my next, for my next set of fun see. facts, I figured I'd, I'd tell you guys about uh, the game Twister. <laughs> so oh. twister the game was originally Fun. called pretzel while it was being worked on <laughs> i guess you could, you could probably guess why yeah uh, mm-hmm. but hey now, retailers thought this game was just too sexy for their shelves so too uh, sexy. despite reservations the creator went with the name twister because he had found a home for the game with milton bradley the famed recreations manufacturer known for yahtzee and the game of life the company's head of development mel taft thought twister had huge potential but other executives felt playing it with members of the opposite sex could be deemed in poor taste (laughs) naughty you boys you go ahead and get twisted all together on your own but (laughs) I won't see any, I won't have any ladies playing Twister with the boys. <laughs> Before Milton Bradley gave up on Twister, they had already paid a PR firm to secure a segment on Johnny Cash's Tonight Show. Featuring featuring Twister on the Tonight Show actually was able to save the game from obsolescence because it had not found its place. But when Johnny Carson was featured 
playing the risque game with bosomy actress Ava Gabor, <laughs> it reversed the engines pretty quickly. Up. And by Christmas of 1966, they were game of the year. Oh, boy. Oh, of <laughs> course. Uh, sex sells. Well, it of really does. When did the name change from Pretzel to Twister? I'm going to guess that that was when Milton Bradley got a hold of it. I don't even know anyone who owns that game, actually. Oh, yeah. He went for, with the name Twister because he had found a home at the uh, with Milton Bradley. Have you guys seen uh, Sex House, the Onion series? No. no. Oh, man. There's, it's, a, it's like a parody on like reality TV shows. Or if you've ever seen like, Porkin', Porkin' Across America. <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, my gosh, guys. Okay. I, uh, after, oh, look after, at that. There it is. Just oh. Some stills. Yeah, yeah there's just some stills of it. And I'm not, I haven't been able to find video of him playing with her, but. Yeah, as as I remember, like as a kid, this game always seemed fun. I I probably played it, you know, a couple like two or three times ever in my life, and and all of that as as a kid. Um, and then you get of a certain age, um, and realize that there is sort of this this potential, like this. What a fun, sexy time! <laughs> yes, yeah. this sort of like <laughs> sexy overtones, and and then it becomes. It becomes a tantalizing prospect, but but yeah, I never I never played I never played Twister as like a teenager really or an adult. When you're hanging out with your dude friends and someone does suggest like, hey, what you guys want to play Twister yeah. tonight? Hey, you want to play Twister? <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's like, you I guys want to play strip video. Twister? Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we you just go to the fun? Just go to the bar like we always do and just get a beer or something. I don't know, guys. Twister, it's like nostalgic. You Twister. Know? <laughs> Yeah, I remember that as kids. Come on. You know, play a fun, sexy little game of Twister. <laughs> so you'll never guess which country hated Twister when it was released, when it became of the thing, a phenomenon. Oh, my God. The Middle East. Nope. It's Germany. What? Germany. <laughs> Milton Bradley was able to fun. successfully export Twister to a number of other countries. The lone exception, Germany. According to really? Taft, German culture at the time frowned upon women taking off their shoes in public, making the game a non-starter in their country. <laughs> well, that was just play with their shoes unexpected. On? I suppose you could, but you're gonna mess up that that plastic mat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my last, my last Twister fact is a country singer set a world Twister record. So in September of 2015, country music singer Thomas Rhett publicized a new album and a concert appearance at AT&T Stadium in Texas by unfurling the world's largest Twister board. Staff spliced together 12, uh, 1,200 regular sized mats to create a 27,159 square foot playing area for concert goers while it was the largest it didn't break the record for the most players that remains with students at the university of massachusetts who assembled 4160 contortionists to play the game in 1987 nice wow yeah it's commitment yeah it's, it's kind of sad because that just shows you that uh no one went to this guy's concert <laughs> poor guy yeah yeah he set up the largest playing space but just couldn't get enough people to show up. It's gonna be the best concert ever. Only his mom showed up. And All right. Very awkward game of very Twister. nice, honey. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. So for my last fact, I didn't bring a fact. However, we're playing I, Twister. <laughs> kind of. I brought us some fun tongue twisters to try to say. Oh, oh boy! I like so that. I like that. I'm sending Jake. His tongue twister. Don't 
Don't look at, okay. don't read it yet. Don't, don't, no practicing. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay, okay. Kent, I'm sending you your tongue twister on Slack. Ooh, okay. Let me open Slack back up again. And my tongue twister, I'll, I'll start things off here. All right. Here comes my, here comes my tongue twister. And you gotta, you gotta try and say it fast. Okay. I am not the pheasant plucker. I am the pheasant plucker's mate. I am only plucking pheasants because the pheasant plucker's late. Done. I did it. All right, you did it. That was actually, okay. that was actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> I I saw these ahead of time. I'm going to be honest with you guys. All right, Jake. Gee, we practiced. All right, I'm going to go with mine. I'm not the fig plucker nor the fig plucker's son, but I'll pluck figs until a fig plucker comes. <laughs> that was very sexual. I got good through job. it. You made it through. <laughs> but you knew what you might have accidentally said. Yes. <laughs> All right, I see it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Mrs. Puggy Wogie has a square cut punt. Not a punt cut square, just a square cut punt. It's round in the stern and blunt in the front. Mrs. Puggy Wuggy has a square cut punt. Why are all these so like uh, it's inappropriate? It's just <laughs> inappropriate. That's uh, what they I don't know what the hell is a square cut punt. <laughs> like what else would that twist my tongue into <laughs> Tyler trying to trying to make sure we could never get a another job again <laughs> permanently canceled <laughs> trying, to get, trying to get us canceled I was t- I told I told Jake but when I was working at the radio station in Seattle they had they had this bit that they would do these tongue twisters on the show or on one of the talk shows that was called uh, Ted versus the FCC and and they would make this very nervous lovable lovable teddy bear of a guy go and do these and if he cursed accidentally he'd have to pay the fcc fine because it's live (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny it was a good idea for a game a solid idea for a game that gets me through my fun facts and fun tongue twisters now right we can move into the entertainment section of our show kent got a chance to check out our homework this week who will be sticking around through uh, through our, our film section here. we, Ladies and gentlemen, we watched Wes Anderson's newest film, The French Dispatch, yes. for this for this mm-hmm. week. Um, I'm going to let Kent go first. Oh, what? Our, oh, about like, my thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah. What's your, <laughs> yeah, 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 what's your yeah, yeah, first yeah. impressions? Okay. Uh, and I, I apologize because I did leave Twitch because it was slowing my computer down a oh, little yeah. bit. Um, but nice. um, I actually thought, so I'm only halfway through it. To so I only finished half my homework, but I actually think it's <laughs> I, it started off too Wes Anderson-y for me in its introduction, but then I think he's developed his characters in a way over the last few movies where with this th- that you know all, like the last few movies of Wes Anderson for me all felt like the characters felt like caricatures of Wes Anderson style movies Mm -hmm. in this one it feels like he took a little bit of a step back all the characters felt a little bit more organic and although i'm halfway through it i I am actually enjoying it quite a bit he also is playing with a lot of interesting cinematic techniques uh Mm -hmm. without being too uh, he's moving away from like the overly wes anderson vibe it feels with this one nice also, there was nudity in this one. <laughs> and that was just a surprisingly amount. Was there, there nudity, nudity in Tenenbaums? Yeah, there is. Um, when when they're showing the scene of all the all the guy or all the people that Margot has gotten with, 
Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. There's a naked lady. She like cups. She oh. cups this lady's breast. That's right. There's that's also right. there's also uh, the the one of the one of his crew on Life Aquatic. Oh yeah, um, she's Anne always Marie. Oh yeah. yeah. I guess there's. <laughs> but hers is not treated like nudity. It's really no. It's, it's, not. it's actually she's interesting because she's because the fact that she's just topless and they never make a big deal out of it actually yeah. makes it not a big deal. Yeah. Right. Which is really interesting. Oh, yeah. The nudity. Yeah. Les Le Sodeaux is nude a lot in this. <laughs> um, Jake, if you want to. All right. All right. I'll, I'll go in next. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting film. I, I, I liked it. I, I found it. Uh, yeah, how to approach this? Parts of it felt a little tedious in, in, in a sense. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to, to try to sway Kent, your, your finishing of the <laughs> film in, in any way uh-huh. too much. But, but there were some really interesting things he did with the film. I think the thing I, I found, there, there, there were very interesting, interesting things he played with, with the sets, the set pieces. And he, you know, he, with this, this film is is supposed to be a love letter to journalism. It, it's it's supposed to be its sort of theme is is journalistic print. So Rushmore had you know sort of it was a play, and Royal Tenenbaums was a book, and Life Aquatic is a wildlife documentary in the style of Jacques Cousteau. Um, you know his films kind of have these these they're a film version of a different type of media. Mm-hmm. And this one really, I think, leans into the fact that it's supposed to be representing representing journalism. So they do interesting things with that. I thought that was kind of fun. Not probably not everyone's going to like it. I don't know. You know, it, it's got like a like a if you're a fan of Wes Anderson and you also like enjoy sitting down with a New Yorker or the Atlantic, you're you are going to like this film. If if that's not you know, if if you that's not the thing you're into, then then even if you're a Wes Anderson film, you you might you might not be uh, as as into it. But but it, it was it was interesting. There were these little hints of of sort of classic Wes Anderson coming out, and and I wish uh, I'll admit I you know those, those first films, especially Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, and Life Aquatic, and Darjeeling Limited. Mm-hmm. I, I love those films. And they made a much bigger impact on me than any of his other films. And you get little hints here and there. I, I feel like he's done the thing that happens with that's happened with a, a couple of directors where sort of the ensemble cast and the set pieces overtake the emotional storytelling. But it depends on what you're looking for in a film, you know, like like that's not necessarily a bad thing. But for me, what I like, like I think about this is with Dennis Villeneuve as well. And and I think Tyler pointed this out about Dune. Like I love Arrival. I love Blade Runner 2049. And there are these very sort of, um, I, I found myself very emotionally ca- connected to the main characters and, and the emotional storytelling that is through those films. And then with Dune, that felt sacrificed for this grand epic sci-fi, which was very grand and very epic and very cool. Um, looked amazing, but but I do sometimes miss the the emotional. Like I was thinking about this, like like there's the the when they go down in the submarine at the end of Life Aquatic, and and Bill Murray says, "Do you think he remembers me?" 
that hits me hard because of everything, you know, they've had this whole film leading yeah. up to this moment and it and it pulls this emotional punch. Yes, really. And and, uh, you know, you you have hints of it in, in this in this story. But it, again, that's probably not what what not what Wes Anderson was going with with this film. He was trying to do something different and he, he made a film he wanted to make. And 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 it's got it's got a lot of fun things to to see in it. And and I, I think I would agree that that the characters is maybe he maybe toned down the sort of I, I think Ken put it put it well with that the characters were he was almost char- char- characterizing himself and yeah. and that's maybe toned down um a little bit here. Which is which is nice to see. I, I do I, yeah I definitely agree. The characters seem to have gotten a little bit more realistic, but the, the like for me for me, the big thing with this one was just it, it, what 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 you're hinting at is like Christopher Nolan or Dillis, Denis, Denis Villeneuve, uh, <laughs> is that, that where we're like everything has gotten so intricate that you lose you lose the intimate parts of like Darjeeling just being a story about three brother, brothers from front to back and it just being really really you know these this film is absolutely technically masterful and, and yeah. there's really just brilliant things going on that are like it's the it's the best play you've ever seen put to film because it does feel to me to me it felt like doing a play again because of the way the sets kind of like come apart and things like that and it's like yeah it's all very impressive it seems like you know also like the world's longest most impressive music video um what i i i, I do still come back to that like what I loved about Wes Anderson was that the contrast between this like perfectly packaged, you know, his, his beautiful little world that he presents to you. And then this really raw, very true emotional drama kind of placed against that quirkiness. And I do feel like, I do feel like I'm not getting that as much these days with his films, which is not like, it's fun to watch. It was fun to watch grand Budapest, but, and it does still have a little bit more of a, an emotional like through line, but I'm still mm-hmm. getting to the point where it's like, I like watching these movies. I, I'm not, they're not going to be ones that like stick with me in the way that I'm always going to love those, those, that, that string of four, the Rushmore through Darjeeling. Those ones yeah, John, are. John called it the big four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those, those are my jam, but yeah, he's like, it's fun to watch these new actors come into his little world. Like it's fun to see the new people do Wes and do their version of being in Wes Anderson. Yeah. Uh, in Wes Anderson. I would, I would like to see him work with these actors more, but I'd like to see them, you know, this is these huge ensemble casts. So I feel like their potential isn't reached with what yeah. they could be. Whereas like what Ben Stiller or, you know, Bill Murray used to get Jason Schwartzman got mm-hmm. these chance to play these, you know, really fun characters in in full um and and you only get you only get snippets yeah i think darjeeling limit i mean darjeeling limit is definitely one of my favorites for that reason it's Mm -hmm. you die you're so emotionally connected with all three of these characters and i feel if he were to make darjeeling limited now he would probably forcefully inject the hotel chevalier hotel the hotel chevalier the short film oh yeah yeah He'd probably try to inject that into Darjeeling Limited as a chapter of its own and try to build out this narrative that like webs out when mm-hmm. in reality it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. It's the compelling part is the 
interaction between these three brothers finally coming to terms with them being weird individuals on their own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and and even Life Aquatic, Life Aquatic got is big in scope, like, but yeah. it's still yeah. the story is about it's, this it's, you know, uh, underdeveloped guy and his relationship with, you know, whether or not he can accept his his potential role as a father, even like, mm-hmm. you know, with, right. Oh, the father son stuff, man, that Wes Anderson yeah. was so good at the father son. Yeah. Storylines. Uh, bad dads. Um, <laughs> art. Oh God, was it bad dads art show or whatever it is? Uh, yeah. Moonrise was okay. <laughs> Moonrise was very okay. Again, I liked Moonrise. Okay. Yeah. The thing I liked the most about Moonrise was how to do with Bruce Willis and the kid. Yeah, that was the best part of the film. Mm-hmm. That's what he's he's so good at. Darjeeling was okay. I, I or not no Darjeeling was great. Sorry, sorry. Uh, the hotel, uh, the one. Ho- uh, Grand Budapest. A Grand Budapest hotel was okay. Yeah, it's okay, but <laughs> it's also yeah, it's also like that. It's impressive. It's like you know, it's technically impressive. You're doing a lot to make it technically impressive, and then that's taken yeah. away from from the thing and like with you know if you look at tenet from nolan compared to the prestige like yeah the prestige has a very cool plot device you know there's a good like of cool stuff happening and then it also has incredible characters who are kind of unforgettable and that you know that that the kind of thing i don't want to see you know i don't want to see people keep doing as they get more like you know here's wes anderson or or uh christopher nolan getting more and more money and you lose like uh, you lose track of the fact that your characters are probably the most important part of your movie. Why is that? Yeah, that must be just a natural, natural impulse of the of the auteur director getting getting more fame and money funding for their films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I wonder if it's like, oh, I won an Oscar with Moonrise Kingdom. Like people must love this style. Mm. I think or, also, or he also won an Oscar for Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, I, I think I think some of it is that these guys are getting older and they don't have the same emotions that they did when they were younger and that's felt those that emotional actually, that's, through lines. That's interesting. Like, like with, with, I, I find writing songs now I'm so bad. At, like, like it's so much harder for me to write a song yeah. today than it was 10 years ago. Like when I was 22 and I had so much like like depression (laughs) and shit I wanted to, I wanted to get out there. And I was a more emotionally stable 32 year old. Like like, I I can't write, I can't write songs. Like something used to just flow through me. And, and now I, I try to write these like more, more sort of adult, like, poetic things and and i'm like nah this isn't as good as just like that raw emotion i was trying to i was tapping into before i think that's got to be a big part of it with these guys it's like yeah they're older and maybe happier now it's like how you write (laughs) how are you gonna write as good you know how are you gonna write those really angsty stories about you know the the guy who's in love with his adopted sister (laughs) you know (laughs) Listening to punk rock versus listening to Dave Matthews band. It just hits differently. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Well, we've kind of covered that. Any, uh, have you guys seen anything else interesting that uh, while we're in the entertainment phase, any good movies, any good TV that you're, you feel like people should check out? 
Mm, I mean, definitely check out Porkin Across America. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's old. It's super, super old. I'm trying to think of what I've watched recently um, that has really hit me. And I, I tend to be a person that loves horror movies. And I think horror movies are doing better and better over the years. But recently, I watched uh, Malignant. And mm. people are raving about it. And I just, I don't know. I guess I'm just disappointed. Maybe I'm just yeah. jaded across the board with entertainment as a whole. You have to be careful with that. I, I, yeah. I felt like I went through a long period of like, nothing is good anymore. Like I would not enjoy any movies. And then thankfully escaped that bleak hellhole yeah. because like movies were my jam, you know? And like, it's, it's during that phase where I wasn't enjoying film and TV is like, uh, what am I going to do? Like, so I have gotten back into the, just like being kind of open to enjoying stuff more than I, than I previously, I guess, had been. Maybe I think that's- it's very YouTube heavy. If anything, yeah. like, I feel like yeah. I moved away from Netflix because of decision paralysis, just in general. And so mm-hmm. much of it is like, I, I, I'm just not going to commit yeah. to like 30, even 30 minutes or something. If I know it's going to be bad and I'm not going to watch more of it. So I, I was thinking about this today. I have like, like it depends on what it is. I've, I've gotten to a point where, yeah, I, 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 if something's stupid and I'm going to enjoy it, I, I let myself enjoy it. Like, like it was so much easier to watch no time to die. The newest James Bond movie than it was to watch French dispatch. I I love Wes Anderson. So like, I, you know, Marvel movies are, are a delight and, and I, I enjoy that stuff, but I find it so much harder to watch new stuff these days. Yeah. It just gets increasingly more difficult for me to convince myself to, to start watching something new. And, and I know that's an easy, easy trap to get into, but, but yeah, I, uh, I sometimes don't, yeah, don't watch yeah. much we, new at we all. Ta- we talked last episode about, okay, like it gets harder and harder to read a book. It's yeah. harder and harder to sit and watch a movie. Before long, will it be too hard to sit and watch a YouTube video? Like, oh god are uh, are we just atrophying to such an extent that you know like eventually think, it's all going to be out the window i think there i mean there's a lot of uh, uh, i've said this before but but when when i was sort of starting to make to make videos i wanted to do this sort of artsy little short film about field work and people kept telling me like, no, 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 it's got to be like three minutes max, like people's attention span. And I was like, no, that like that sucks. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to make this thing I have in my head. Yeah. And and I still fortunately, I, I I like a slow like I sometimes do still like a slow movie like like, man, yeah. I, Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> came out of that movie, loved it. I know people aren't like like sometimes like these these slow paced movies and and um like mandy was another film very slow paced it can be a real challenge to get through but i freaking loved it was but mandy good okay I'll have i one. loved mandy Cage, it's right? an insane yeah it's an insane yeah. movie it's insane it's really slow paced and it takes a long time to get to what you're hoping to see but it it, it 
if you're into if you're into like horror it's a weird like experimental artsy horror oh insane movie uh, but i really like it but sometimes it's just hard like especially starting a new tv show or, or anything it's just like I, I just watching new stuff can be challenging yeah there are definitely days where i'm but i'm like in the mood and then the other days where it's just like no i don't want to sit mm-hmm. and watch anything it's, it's challenging and it and it's gonna be it's weird because I don't know, just like we're entering a new a new time now. Like like when Des and I were, were living in, in Boston, we got into a routine where like we were both working and like things were a little more steady. Um, and we'd go to the m- movies, not every weekend, but but a lot of weekends we'd go see a movie at the movie theater. And and that I really enjoyed, like. Like I like going to the movie theaters because you're like, it's OK, better. I can't use my phone. It's better. I mm-hmm. I'm signing up for two and a half hours or whatever, you know, of sitting here watching this thing and and I'm going to try to enjoy it as much as possible. And 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 I would do that. But now that I'm, you know, it's scared to go to the movie theater and and and, and also we just uh, we, you know, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um so so we can't really do it even if even if it weren't covid um right now just we couldn't do it all that often but but yeah i miss that yeah it's it's that commitment to the (laughs) it's sad that that thought process of like this is the only opportunity for me to get away from my phone for two and a half hours because that is something i frequently do here like that is one of the reasonings to go in to watch a movie Right. It's uh, yeah. a, a bit disappointing, <laughs> a bit depressing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It, it, when you're at home, it's, yeah, you've got your phone. You can use it. You, I, like, if I'm home, I'm like, oh, I should be working on this or that. Or, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard. Like, like, I had to sit and watch this film, like, like, uh, to, uh, to follow what was going on. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. be distracted by something. It's tough to um, get anything else going on. It's, it, yeah. It's moving at too fast a pace to really. Yeah, and but uh, like the whole time I was like, uh, I kind of wanted to like pick up, uh, pick up an art piece I'm working on, or or you know, it's like uh, this is uh, like I have the impulse to 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 be multitasking. Let's say one other movie that I recently watched with the family is uh, Eight Bit Christmas. It's like HBO Max. It's like a it's like a fun seasonal movie, but they. One of the parts that I appreciated about it was like, you know how like older, older movies like um, like 90s, 80s kind of ensemble movies would just have weird characters that were just weird for the sake of being weird. And I feel Mm. like that kind of went went out in comedies. Mm -hmm. This this has that kind of 80s like. What's this weird inexplicable character that doesn't make any sense? Like, um, it's got a a sensibility that's like from these older older comedies. It's uh, it's pretty. I wouldn't like. It's not a. It's it's not going to be one that like. Oh, you know, I love this movie and I watch it every year. But um, it was a fun kind of Christmas time thing about about (laughs) that era when like one person would have the new Nintendo and. (laughs) <laughs> and everybody trying to hang out with them so they could play it and um yeah it's 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 kind of fun um oh is it? yeah I, uh new witcher season is out i haven't gotten to see oh, much yeah, of that oh yeah i want to watch that 
I haven't gotten far in Cowboy Bebop still. Yeah, still, still me. Middle of still that. Oh, gosh, that. I did not. I'm not watching that. <laughs> Have you guys seen the original Cowboy Bebop? I've never Bebop? seen the original, so yes, I can, I can watch the original. Watch the, don't just <laughs> ignore the current one and just watch the original, please. <laughs> I liked, I liked, yeah, I used to, uh, I used to enjoy those, those one season, um, anime, like, anime shows that, yeah, that were too. like, that were, that weren't, yeah, like, like, I don't know. I, I remember watching Adult Swim and watching like Wolf's Rain and and mm. Witch Hunter Robin and Cowboy Bebop and these like one season anime shows. Yeah, because yeah. contained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. also like I Limited hate this new of culture of uh, I hate this new culture. Um, um, <laughs> old man corner. Get off my lawn. <laughs> old millennial corner. All, all these Stop studios podcast. want these shows to keep continuing until they reach like decay you know they will mm-hmm. sap every drop of juice out of yeah. it's everything is simpsons fied yeah like they will take everything they can from anything they have yeah squid so, game yeah. should have ended case in point like it should have yeah, just ended. what the hell it one season just season make two. it perfect done yeah. yeah i i wish i wish more shows would go would go the way of like okay we're gonna take you know two three seasons to tell the story we want to tell and end it yeah tell a complete story have a satisfying ending it doesn't like they don't start losing the plot and jumping the shark and or dragging it out and out and out new season of sunny is currently airing there are episodes on hulu nice oh really good yep that is that is actually always good but it's because they've continue to bastardize themselves and they're super self-aware yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, I can't believe that show's still going and still hilarious yeah i guess that's that and we don't and we uh well uh as far as i know we don't have really any cool new games to talk about jake maybe oh yeah the 2021 games awards um some stuff got got announced like uh there's a open world sonic game that's coming oh <laughs> that, what? that'll be interesting that's... to see how that develops i imagine it's gonna be like a i don't know a breath like like zelda breath of the wild but maybe maybe less survival focused but who you know that's very early announcements and i don't know they just announced some some new games um alan wake 2 and and um there's gonna be a new wonder woman game but we don't know anything uh about i uh, it's sometimes annoying with the video game industry of like they announce these games so early on and then you have to wait years like literally years for it to come out (laughs) and then you don't know many details of just like i know that there's a star wars game coming what will it look like? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it takes two, um, one game of the year. I only played a little bit of it. I played a little bit with my buddy Nick, and and it, I, I, I should. It would be fun to to co-op it with someone and play it all the way through because I think it's going to tell a pretty interesting, pretty interesting story. I've heard it's in a really right. fun way. What, sorry, what game is this? It takes two. It's about okay. these. Oh, it's, it's actually called <laughs> It Takes Two. Yeah, oh. it's a crazy premise. So it's this it's these it's yeah. this couple, this parents, this mom and dad that are like fighting and basically on the brink of divorce. And <laughs> they get shrunk 
and have to like battle their way through like their their honey i i shrunk the the uh a strange couple but they they're like battling their way through you know their like house and and like there's a part where a vacuum the a giant vacuum cleaner comes alive and you and you have to battle like the giant vacuum cleaner and and it's it's really creative it's really fun how it how it goes and it's about and and of course that it's it's very early on it becomes clear it's about teamwork and mm-hmm. and but i think it's got it's got kind of this oddly deep emotional it's like a saving a marriage <laughs> game but yeah it's like this kiddish aesthetic yeah um, the art is great yeah it's yeah, really funny cool. because because in Google Images, in between the It Takes Two art, there's Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Not that one. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> like a 1980s movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I'm curious about that one. Ashley did beat a, a game recently. Uh, 100%. Beat? Metroid Dread. Oh. Ah. I've heard I good know, things if, about that. It's like a roguelike it's, Metroid game. It's very good. It's very good. And I don't know if you guys have ever like gone into Metroidvania and that style of video games in general, but the puzzles in this one and the graphics and the sense of anxiety that <laughs> they build in it is so fun. And nice. it's it's been yeah, a while since I uh, spent time like beating a game 100%. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not your that's not your usual wheelhouse. Is like a long a, a longer game like that. I assume. I think it was like a third. I, I mean, Zelda Breath of the Wild. I beat. I I've spent way too many hours into that, but um, <laughs> just exploring it. But since then, you know, I was like, ah, I'll play like the new Mario 3D, and I'll beat it like 40. percent But I'll like finish the storyline. It's like, all right, that's that's more than enough. Mm-hmm. It gets a little repetitive, I will say, but. Uh, yeah, Metroid Dread, highly, highly recommend. Hollow oh, Knight. Nice I mean, I love Hollow Knight from uh, Slow Joey, uh, but it's a little, Knight. it's similar. It's more like action. Metroidvania, um, uh, like Ori, Ori in the Will, Ori in the Will of the West, yeah. or Ori in the Blind Forest, or whatever. Mm. It looks cool. I, it's very cool. And it's very fun. Like Contra style. I didn't. Uh, it's not a game, and there's nothing to really beat. But I did play the tech demo for Unreal Engine Five, the the Matrix Awakens. Ooh, um, yeah. Which is it's more of just like a cinematic that you watch. I'm uh, bringing things up on the screen here for the audience. That's not Keanu Reeves, I don't think. Pretty sure that's a pretend Keanu. Wait, really? Goes through here. This is pretend. Oh. Maybe that's pretend Keanu. I don't know. Weird. My understanding is these are fake. Yeah. Um, in any case, you play through this cool tech demo of like, you know, the, the graphics uh, being like, I'm pretty sure this is a fake Keanu Reeves there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. That, that okay, scene where he's walking. Yeah. Um, that looks, oh, I that see. looks fake also. Yeah. Fake Trinity. Crazy. They're getting close to bridging that uncanny valley where, <laughs> people are looking really realistic but you play yeah. this this cinematic goes through and then you you play actually in this kind of open worldish matrixy looking thing but there's really incredible graphics but there's no real game to it it's more just seeing like okay here's this realistic city that's rendered in real time on your console with these crazy reflections and the thing with all these engines is you have to obscure it's like a Jurassic Park, right? Whenever they yeah. did use CG, they obscured it enough where 
you don't focus on the details of the CG. Like with this, like Carrie Ann Moss takes up half the screen yeah. <laughs> whenever they show yeah. it. And like, yeah. that looks very fake. Yeah. It's still I super think the animation is also not super, not particularly good. Like I think uh, part of like the body movements are, are unrealistic. And so that's, that's not doing it any favors, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, like this, you know, it, I could see where with a little bit of a little bit, a little bit more time. And like, yeah, if we put this at nighttime with some rain and you're probably not going to be mm-hmm. able to tell that these aren't actors, this one in the back right. is not a real person. So she looks even, she looks more fake compared to the real two, but those two, for the most part, especially when they throw on the sunglasses and you're like, oh, okay, now I can't see the eyes, which are the dead giveaway. Now yeah. it gets even more kind of realistic. Uh, the they should go back and redo the burly brawl. Waxy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the brawl. Never really, it never really quite, quite works as, as photorealistic, but, but you compare it to what, what you see in still most video games. And, yeah. and it is, it is a, you can see it's improving. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. This will so get... you either have to, it's, it's a tricky balance of like Red Dead did a good job of being like cutting edge, Red Dead Redemption 2, like cutting edge graphics mm-hmm. and, and realistic character movements and like building a realistic world. Some games lean into being cartoony or, or, you know, the, you make it creative and, and you're not going for photorealism. Um, which is sometimes the right choice because yeah, right. a lot of a lot of times yeah it's, it's, it's Fortnite Psychonauts very hard to Psychonauts pull looks really cool um, I haven't played it yet but the new Psychonauts looks incredible this uh, I skipped a little ahead a little bit there is a section that's like a playable so they're kind of proving to you that like okay it can look like this in game well that's pretty cool um, so the, yeah, so the parts there, you're actually like shooting these environments, uh, or shooting within these environments. And then I'll go a little bit further ahead here and you'll see some of the, uh, open world. So focus less on this character here, but it's more about the That's background that we're crazy. looking at. It looks like a real city. Like, uh, you know, you can see the, the light reflected in the, the damp areas yeah. here. You know, people's shadows are reflected. Um, it's just... And this is That's and this incredible. is running in real time, you know, with all these elements being being rendered by your either Xbox Series X or PlayStation Five. Um, those are the only the only things that run this so far. Um, but <laughs> it looks crazy. It looks crazy. And then you can like switch these uh, view modes. You see that they're like oh, you can change the graphics. You can um, alter the camera. You can change the rendering so that you're actually looking at like the the, the individual polygons. Um, and that all runs pretty smoothly. That's crazy. It also seems <laughs> yeah. a little like they should put a few more constraints on it because that that all seems like unnecessary features for like actual good gameplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is exclusively just tech demo. You can't really do anything here. You you can Got get into it. a car and drive around the city, but it's all about just kind of like look at the city and look what we could do. So for being that, an Unreal Engine in five isn't out. It's not. It's not like. Uh, something people can develop with right now so coming down the road but yeah um that was a i guess a more of a gaming news than than a real game but it's a cool experience if anybody has those those consoles um can check it out all right uh well with that i think we did it um we, right. we made it through and uh <laughs> so we survived Better than last week yeah and we said tornado yeah. like 15 times 
Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't get in trouble. Yeah, I didn't get in trouble. Shh. Yeah, keep it down the down low. <laughs> Don't say that. Hot spinny air. Um, <laughs> hot, whoa. Hot cold. Well, Kent, now that now that I'm like now now I've got to see you out. We'll give you the give you the opportunity to tell people what to check out and what to what to see and do. Whoa. Oh shoot. The table hey, do, do you want yes. them to follow you on Instagram? What what's what's the deal? Where do we <laughs> yeah, send them? Follow me on Insta. I'm not really on Instagram that much anymore. I'm on Twitter now, which is how things have changed. Um, but my Twitter is Kentaronic. It's just Kentaro and I C. So electronic Kentaronic. Nice. Instagram bad. Twitter nice. is also bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I stopped going on Instagram. I felt like it was a, a complete waste. It's more been a waste of my time than Twitter has, yeah. uh, which is probably why. So <laughs> yeah. follow me there. I talk about neuro, Oki's world, art. Been diving more into art, which has been cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, all Good. all the different different things. Good I got deal. banned from Facebook for some reason. Like I can't get into my account. It, like oh my god. So if you, if, you, if you have to, I, I've been telling you for years, you have to stop sending everyone and posting all the dick pics. It's just not. <laughs> well, so Twitter just, doesn't have a policy on that, thankfully. So I just, not, I just can't spread fake news. This, and that's this it. cancel culture. <laughs> they're looking. They're looking to get you. <laughs> Wait, was it dick, not duck? Duck pics or dick pics? Because <laughs> I've uh, been telling you, post duck pics. People love those. Damn it! <laughs> Misinterpreted. <laughs> Ducking autocorrect. So many followers on Twitter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that, I will bring it home. Many thanks to our guest, Kent Yoshimura. Thanks for coming back to the show. Thank you to my co-host, Jake Gable. And thank you all for listening. To get alerts for when the show goes live, follow us at twitch.tv slash Rethink Everything Podcast. You can come watch along and chat with us and see what the hell we're talking about. We're going to take a couple of weeks off here for the holidays. So next time you'll see us, we'll be back in the new year. We'll probably be talking about some cool things like the new Matrix. So make sure to check back in the new year for our very 47th episode. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Is it weird to be a, weird to be a guest on your own podcast? <laughs> Even as the seasons change, nature moves within itself, its colossal power and its delicate beauty in perfect harmony, perfectly cosmically sane. Though periodically, nature will, in a kind of psychotic fit, go completely, randomly mad. <laughs>